Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Hey, folks. Welcome back. How's everybody doing? Good. Good, good. Doing well. Tired, but good. So today we're going to talk about what we've decided, what we've called Restoration 101. We're going to jump into... Uh, a wide variety of topics for the very first restoration you will do. I'm going to give you some ideas about where to find your where to find your items to restore, things to look for, things to avoid, and uh, an overall tool selection of things you'll need to do the job, as well as some you know mindset sort of like Zen things to think about the the ah. frame of mind you will need to restore. The tools of yesterday. <laughs> building them up, building them up. I love it. Yeah, uh, the mindset's a, a good thing to touch on really quickly because obviously uh, picking a project is important to what interests you. Uh, if you're really into woodworking machines, restoring a metalworking machine might just not uh, pick your fancy. But Absolutely. if you, you find something that you're interested in, whether it be uh, working on cars, working on power tools, uh, and going back a little bit in history and seeing what they used a couple years ago or a couple decades ago, that might be a good place to start looking around um, for a more classic tool to do the job that you're already interested in doing. Um, that's at least what I think about. I really like and enjoy woodworking, and so my mind always goes to back to what we're doing the turn of the century. So that's where my head first goes and figures what they used to solve their problems back then. So Right. Right, James. I, I mean, I, I agree with that 100%. But like going maybe maybe one level higher, you know, no matter what project or what thing you're trying to work on, it's it's having the overall mindset that you can do it, that you can you can accomplish it. And it just takes a little bit of effort, you know, a little bit of tools, a little bit of this, maybe a little bit of money. And you just get right into it and you say, hey, I'm not afraid to try this. And I and I can go in there. I can work on this. And if I make a mistake, you know, it's not that big a deal. Maybe you don't start out on the, you know, $60,000 car that, that your dad passed down from your grandfather, you know. Start on something simple, okay? Yeah, you start exactly on... what Evan said. Start <laughs> on something simple. Oh, um, shot fired, James. Dang. Everybody <laughs> say start on something simple. Otherwise, you will have a monument to some tool uh, a decade from now. Perhaps a universal. You park your car, but I digress. Hey, I mean that that's okay. Sometimes sometimes although I mean I agree that that sometimes you start on something small, but sometimes it does take that large project where you just say, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm jumping in. I probably don't have any idea what I'm doing, but I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna try it and I'm gonna figure it out. And that's just as good too. I mean, some people are, you know, might shy away from the large projects like that. And some people might want to have the smaller ones, but no matter what you choose, you gotta be like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to learn. If I make a mistake, it's no big deal. And I, I, th I think that's one of the most important things that we got to, you know, you know, get get out there. So that you can try it and it's, it's going to be OK. That's true. Everybody take it from Coach Evan. I think it's, <laughs> it's neat that the Internet is, is such a great resource. And I think at least for me, I mean, I'm self-taught. I think you guys are for the most part as well. Um, maybe with some college classes and fabrication or whatnot. But I personally, I had no background in any of this stuff and using YouTube as a resource, 
using Facebook groups as a resource. And this is kind of a just a tip for some of the maybe for some of our older podcasters. Well, I, I mean, if you're watching a podcast, you're probably pretty hip, even if you are an older person. But I mean, there's so many Facebook groups out there for specific tools, specific types of hobbies that you can get a expert in your corner just through a quick message if you know where to look. Yeah. And uh, and I think it's just neat that we're able to, you know, you can jump into a big project, with very little experience, very little tooling, and you can get some great advice from some like-minded people just using the internet. And that's kind of neat. So having the positive mental attitude that you can do it and then be supported by a uh, diverse community of like-minded people that's out there. Yeah. So, there yeah. You go. so, so uh, tool number one for the novice uh, restorer is the internet. And if you're listening to this as a podcast and win, you win, you already have the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that knowledge is just at your fingertips. It's just a, uh, few Google searches or Facebook searches away. Yeah. Just uh, piggy piggybacking off of that, you know, I mean, we said the internet's a great resource. Some of the easiest things to do when you start doing restorations, if you don't know what a tool is or you don't know how to take it apart, you don't know how it works, some of the easiest things to do is just go to Google and type in the manufacturer's name, you know, if it has a tag, and then type in the model number. And you'll be surprised about how much stuff pops up because I mean, there are some tools out there that are fairly rare and, you know, there's not a lot of information about them, but just about everything you can type into Google and find something about. And Absolutely. it's 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 not it's not very hard, you know, just to to take a couple minutes and, and search something, even with the most minimal information. If you don't know a whole lot about something, um, you might be able to find a patent drawing. You might be able to find somebody who has the same tool and they did a restoration on it, just like a YouTube video or, or something like that. Um, so it's, it's easy, even with minimal information to find out a lot about what you're working on. Knowledge is power. I don't know if you guys are familiar with vintage machinery. I'm sure you are oh, yeah, for, sure. for, for guys like us that are into big old iron machines. There's a whole community of, of people online that just post pictures of these, of hundred year old machines. Uh, they download PDF documents. It's all online where you are able to look at you know, catalogs and manuals from the 20s. I mean, it's incredible the amount of information that's on there that you'd think, oh, I'll never figure this out. But you go in there and within five minutes, you've got a wealth of information about the exact yeah. tool you're looking for. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. And, and remember, it's all free. You don't have to pay a cent for that. Vintage Machinery is one of my favorite sites because you can go on there and people have these catalogs and they provided all this. They uploaded it, they scanned it. They provided this information for free. You can come look at it and help yourself with your restoration or tool or machine or whatever you have. And it's it's really a, a wonderful community to be a part of. And even though a lot of us don't know each other, I mean, we might be acquainted from Instagram or YouTube and, and know a little bit, but it's, it's a community and we're all, you know, we're all part of this. We're all doing similar things and we all come together because we all need the same things. We all need information. We, we get stuck. We need to figure it out. And we, we all help each other out, which is a, which is a fantastic thing. Yeah. Yep. Love. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and there's uh, so much of it on the Instagram and online. Yeah. I, I will admit, between but the three days between seeing the universal work worker on my neighbor's front yard and me actually picking it up, I was just online 24-7. And... Uh, was on those forums and asking people, hey, I have an opportunity here. What the heck do I need to be looking for? 
And they said, try and rotate as many pieces as you can. If things are moving, the more that's moving when you get it, the better. Uh, you know, anything that moves and isn't scratchy is, is a good thing. Uh, and look for big cracks in, in, uh, and signs of wear or damage. Anything beyond the obvious. And if stuff's moving like it should, you're in a good place. So let, let's, uh, let's shift there. Sometimes you, you may have a dream tool, but finding it is the hard part. Um, but what about when inspiration hits? If you're out and about and you just see something unique or an oddball, and you may not be able to find it on the internet in five minutes to give a yay or nay, what, what do we, what do we want to, to talk about and let people know if things are good to be looking at or if, if they should be shying away from it? Oh, well, for me, I mean, and, and just listener beware, we're going to be talking almost exclusively about tools and machinery because that's what we're into. Um, so, hey, listen, if you're into restoring old uh, violins or guitars or, you know, uh, China dolls or whatever, this might props, not be a podcast for you. Perhaps to you, but uh, that's a whole other part of the Internet I haven't even touched. Sure, same, for, same here. Um, so, <laughs> sure. if I'm looking for tools, uh, I'm always looking for... Uh, if it has moving parts, do they move? Uh, do they move as they're supposed to? You know, if you're looking at a machine or a tool that you don't know its history and it looks rough and half the parts that are supposed that appear to, to need to move don't, that isn't necessarily a deal breaker, but it does increase your index of or your, your level of suspicion that there might be some problems with it. Um, you know, as far as non-moving parts, like someone like a say, you know, castings or uh, other solid pieces, looking for cracks, looking for missing parts, broken parts, looking for sh rough edges that you know in places where something may have existed. Um, yeah, just looking for. Uh, I feel like I feel like most of the time stuff doesn't pass the smell test when you look at it. You just kind of have a gut feeling that man, this thing is, this thing is hogged out. This thing is rough and maybe beyond saving. I don't know. I, I mean, I agree with I agree with that, Dave. Like, if you find something that you know that's pretty rough, sometimes you got to take a leap on it, and you know you got to evaluate, just like Dave said, uh, several different things. You know, does it move when it should move? Is it stuck? What what's the overall condition? And ultimately, most times it comes down to uh, is the price right? You know, if if you have a you have a hunk of junk sitting in a field and they want you know three thousand dollars for it, that might not be the way to go. Um, but if you can get it for a song and you know that you can at least try to make it work and if if you mess it up, it's you know, you're not losing thousands of dollars then that's OK, because, I mean, you got to learn, you got to try different techniques yeah. and, um, you know, bring all those factors together to make it the appropriate decision for restoring a tool or something that you yeah, find. I, I totally agree. I think I think the price plays into it. Uh, and your judgment, because uh, if it's something that's outside of your comfort zone or not an obvious fix in your brain, or maybe just some TLC, then you got to ask yourself, is what this person asking for, for a cost worth me potentially uh, bring it to a state of no return? And is that lesson worth learning? Um, and the other thing in that conversation, or even looking at stuff for sale online, is does the seller know what they have? If they've got a wealth of information, if they've got even better, if they've got the history, either where they have it, they 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 bought it themselves, what condition it was in, how many years ago, or or uh, if you're lucky, if they've owned the tool uh, since it was new, um, having that wealth of knowledge for how it was used and what it was used on, 
you can tell if it was respected, if it was neglected, if it was forgotten. And that kind of information will really aid you in determining if what they're asking for and cost uh, of the item is worth it. And again, is it worth it to you if you don't know what you're doing just yet to either sit on it and get smarter or potentially take that risk that, that you may uh, you may do some extra damage and may uh, be paying for a lesson on the fly. That's yeah. a great point right there about sitting sitting on it. You know, you find something that's really interesting for you. Maybe you're interested in, uh, you know, bandsaws. Like, I know a lot of guys are into these gigantic bandsaws. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not picking on James, but, I mean, I think they're awesome. But if <laughs> I had no experience working on bandsaws, but I happened to run across one, you know, uh, in a field for sale for $200 for a 36-inch American bandsaw, and I couldn't pass on it, and I had a trailer and some a friend with a forklift. I mean, I might snag that thing up and take it home and, and get and cut my teeth on some smaller projects before I jump into that, just so that I can have the confidence to approach that with a certain level of expertise. And another thing to consider, too, like, uh, you may find a project for that's in rough shape that appears to be you know, in really bad condition and you're thinking to yourself, man, like if I can get the, I can get this thing cheap, it's going to cost me, it may cost me a ton of money to get this thing running. You got to consider what it's worth to you to have that machine in working order because almost anything can be re- restored if you give it enough time. I mean, you, you may need to replace half the metal in a, in a, on a sheet metal project or God, I mean, you may have to replace every single part of the machine to get it to where you want it to be, but it's all a matter of cost and time. And you have to think about what that project is worth to you in terms of those things. Because everything in restoration, I feel like for the most part, kind of takes some time, especially if you're a busy person. And a lot of the time, it it can cost a little bit of money. And if you don't have any tools, uh, it's going to cost you money to get the tools to get into the game. And if, you, if you're looking to replace, if it needs to replace a lot of parts, sometimes uh, new old stock parts for machines can be incredibly expensive, especially on eBay where, you know, people are gouging you left and right for stuff that they know is rare. So consider your budget, consider what it's worth to you, and then take those things into consideration when you're looking to make a purchase. Dave, Absolutely. If you're sitting on a resource of $200, 36-in bandsaws, then you have not been sharing. Yeah, you need to share that <laughs> you immediately. Buy, you can buy some junky <laughs> shelves from Home Depot or the big box stores uh, for 200 yeah. bucks. I will gladly throw away all my shelves and have pretty broken bandsaws hold all my tools. Sometimes you find a little old lady who's got a uh, you know a 36-inch bandsaw in her basement, and she has no idea what it is, and she just thinks that it's... Uh, you know, some kind of a steam steam, steam apparatus that she's looking to get rid of. And, uh, you know, you get them for free. I mean, you just got to find the right little right, old lady. That's right. what it is. That's the dream. <laughs> little, there, There's a resource for you. The, the, the littler and the older the lady is that's selling I don't, the iron machine, the better. I don't think I can, I don't think I can find a gullible old lady on a Google map search. <laughs> right, right. Take, that you got to get out there and, and actually, you know, search for it. Those, those take those take time to find. Sure. But I, I we made a lot of really good points here. And real quick, I just want to do a round robin between us three about when you first started. You know, this is Restoration 101. So the tool that you couldn't live without, like, it doesn't have to be a tool like a hammer or a screwdriver. It could be, you know a material or something that you used that was instrumental in helping you when you first got started. And you're like, I have it in my shop constantly 
and I can't live without it. What 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 is yours? Well, for me, a uh, a map gas torch for freeing up stuck bolts. I feel like uh, you know I didn't really real I didn't really recognize penetrating oil was a thing until recently, and anytime I had a I got stuck where I was I I liked I generally would buy rusty yard sale tools when I, I would go down to Cape May with my family and every weekend they would have a uh, they would have yard sales and I would go hit them up and anytime I found something that had been sitting in someone's seaside yard collecting salt air and seizing up over the years. It would take a lot of time to free up stuck fasteners, um, and I found having a torch to break those stuck fasteners, heating up, heating up a fastener, heating up the surrounding metal, to cr- cause some molecular wiggling that you can get the uh, get the the uh, uh, threads unstuck using a little bit of heat. Uh, that absolutely made the difference for me. Right, James. How about you? So wait, is the question what tool inspired me to get into restoration, or what tool in my arsenal? Oh my God, pay attention, James. Uh, <laughs> what 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 tool? Something about this okay. bandsaw okay. that I can't find. It's okay. One one tool in your arsenal that you can't live without, that you find yourself going to time and time again to help out with your restoration. Oh, the wire wheel. Oh my God, I have enough surface area to cover half of my hometown. Uh, so I am just sitting on a wire wheel constantly taking off rust in weird corners. So the wire wheel, I, I swapped out a, um, a cheap um, uh, grinding wheel for a wire wheel. So I've got a 10 inch brush on that. And then I have a couple drill and angle grinder wire brush adapters. And I can tell you that uh, cleaning up all those surfaces uh, will will actually help you find the that missing um, set screw that is the only reason why stuff isn't coming apart. Uh, but the wire wheel for me, that, that's that's the big reward is is being able to turn something that looks like crap into uh, into uh, a nice finished uh, assembly. Absolutely. So. And uh, for mine, mine is I mean we're not sponsored by this company in any way, but mine is PB Blaster. <laughs> I, I couldn't so i could not live without pb blaster basically you know to summarize here we have a torch to heat things up we have a wire wheel to get dirt and junk and rust and stuff out of the way and we have a nice penetrating oil whatever that whatever flavor you like the best mine happens to be pb blaster and you can get almost anything to at least function again Look at so that. trifecta yeah, it so is, I mean, really if, if you're listening at home, go out and get yourself a torch, get yourself a wire wheel, and get yourself your penetrating fluid of choice. PB Blaster works great. There are a lot of others out there. We could probably have a whole restoration podcast just on penetrating fluids. Absolutely. Yes. And, <laughs> and I, would, I would add to, um, to James, there are many ways to drive a wire wheel, whether it's, a, uh, whether it's a, the end of a drill whether it's on an angle grinder or whether it's uh, some people have even used drill presses. Uh, I think for me, the most versatile tool to drive a wire wheel is an angle grinder. That's my opinion. I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. I do that yeah. as well. Uh, it yeah. is, you know, you, you set up a wire wheel on a bench grinder and you try and pick, try picking up a, an 80 pound casting and moving it back and forth against your bench grinder. See how strong you think you are. Uh, 
Yeah, that, that gets old real quick. Oh my god! Whoa. If you want that that hand tool prowess and uh, forget the uh, electrons, then you can go with a wire brush. But honestly, I have so little free time in my life that I need uh, the technology of man to uh, do some restoring for me because right, right. <laughs> something about. But hey, don't don't get down on a wire brush. They do work. I, I oh. have a wire brush. They're they're excellent tools, but yeah, yes, having a wire wheel does does go much much faster. Yeah, I, I mean I got a whole bunch of sets of little uh, like toothbrush sized wire brushes, which are great to get into small places. But um, yeah, I, I have no I have no problem using modern technology to give me an advantage when restoring old technology. I agree with that. Second, yep. That's one of those things. I mean, you can get if you if you really want to be a purist. You can get old tools to restore your old tools. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like it's that's, a little tricky. That's the though. ultimate level. Okay, yep. so here, here's a here's a quiz. <laughs> like the the classic blacksmith is, you know, your first blacksmith projects are to make all of your blacksmith tools, right? Right. So, yep. It, is there a classic restoration where you could make your own? You, you could restore something to become your first restoration. You like hand, hand pick lint out of a wire brush, hand brush. You've got the hand brush and the start hand from brush. the bottom, work your way up. That's right. That's right. That's right. You, you, know, <laughs> you could you could certainly do that. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> I have children. I don't have that kind of time. I'm gonna get my yeah. wire wheel going. Absolutely. You know what? That's that's kind of fun. I mean, you know, to think about you can you can with a couple of modern tools that you buy at the big box store. You can put back together a a very complete arsenal of old tools that you can then put to work restoring other old tools. Like for instance, right, right. One of one of my very first restorations was like a 1939 Sears and Roebuck drill press, and I got it for 40 bucks at a flea market or at a uh, yard sale rather, and I restored it, got it running, and then I. Not too long after, I saw you know some of Hand Tool Rescue, our friend Eric from Canada's videos, and I said, "What a great idea! Let me take a, uh, let me make an arbor for that drill press, put a wire wheel on it, and then I can use that as my wire wheel. It gives you a lot of clearances around, mm-hmm. you know, to move move your yep. part around and and brush it off. Um, but then you know you can proceed on from there. There's plenty of other tools that we use there that can be used." That are uh, of an older vintage. I mean, you can get old die grinders, old old angle grinders, if that's your fancy, and that can be a project in of itself that you could then use on other stuff. Yep. Yeah, I I, I I totally agree. If you've got the ability to come across older tools, somebody's clearing out a shop, then there some tools will stand the test of time um, forever. They just need some TLC to look look good again. Um, but if you don't, there's nothing wrong with getting a few cheap tools to get yourself going, and you could quickly build yourself a vintage shop if that's your desire, um, without too much haste, and actually probably at a, at a decent savings for what you're going to get. Uh, all right, quite a, yep. quite a savings. So, guys, those are all great thoughts. Do we have any uh, final remarks to make before I do the takeaway for today? Any last thoughts? Anything else to put out there? Well, I'm excited about this takeaway. Absolutely. Oh, I can't wait. Are you guys ready? All right. So. Now, well, hold on. Hold on. Let, let, let's, <laughs> refresh, let's refresh the mindset. Maybe I'm stealing your thunder. Am I stealing no, your thunder? No, go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Yeah, just, just the mindset that you can do it um, and, and that 
taking on a project does not mean it has to uh, become a museum piece the first try. It does not need to be uh, something that will get you a, a million Instagram hearts. It, it is something that's meaningful to you, that has a neat story that you feel is approachable, and if nothing else, will teach you a good lesson on how to approach projects in the future. I think that is a perfect first project to look at uh, and the mindset to have that, that you can do it. And uh, if you take your time, you can uh, you can accomplish quite a bit. Absolutely. And just just to finish up with that, you know, we talked about a couple simple tools uh, in the, the middle of the podcast here. We talked about a torch. We talked about a wire wheel and we talked about your penetrating fluid of choice. Um, PB Blaster is my favorite. <clears throat> and those things can get you started and there's there's not much to it. So just like James said, you have that mindset, you say, I can do it, and you get a couple simple tools. And also, like we talked about in the beginning, is setting up some guidelines about, is this worth me purchasing to do a restoration? You know, does it move? How much does it cost? How much do you think it's going to cost to get parts or maybe make some repairs to this? And, you know, making those guidelines can help you a lot and get you started in a, in a very uh, fulfilling hobby that, that can even turn into more if you want it to be. Yeah. And you, and you know what? You're not alone in that decision that, as we said at the very beginning, there's a whole community that really gets excited about the potential. Uh, when you guys find stuff in your neighborhood, I get so stoked in my head. It's <laughs> a little bit of uh, enjoyment just thinking, what would I do with that? How would I set up Dave's shop? How would I use that new Ethel vice uh, to my uh, pleasure? But, you know, reach out to us, reach out, reach out to like-minded folks. We'd Absolutely. be happy to, to talk yep. you through some stuff. I know everybody's situation's unique. So if you've got a really minimal uh, shop and you want to take on a ridiculous project like I did, I can tell you what to look out for. And if you are worried about price points and uh, if something's really worth it, then, you know, talk to somebody about it. Talk to us about it. We'll be happy to talk to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, don't, don't forget to reach out to us on our Instagram at the restoration podcast. Uh, please hit us up there if you have any questions or need any help with anything. And we'll also be putting up reminders on there uh, when our new podcast sessions are coming out. So you can tune in and listen to that. Absolutely. Yeah. We got a Gmail, right? The restoration podcast at the Gmail. Restoration podcast. We are official. We are email official. Yep. Okay. Yep, absolutely. And I, and I just wanted to add, tag on a, a quick uh, uh, bit of mindset stuff because I really do think that's important, especially as someone who came into this game with nothing, with no background, very, I mean, a little bit of mechanical aptitude, but no formal training, but barely any tools at all. Uh, you got to remember, man, every expert was once a beginner. Nobody was Absolutely. born with a head full of knowledge on how to do anything. And take on, I always say, take on a project that's bigger than you can handle and you'll grow to overcome the the challenges that you face. And you'll learn so much in the process that the next project you take on will be easier. Don't be afraid to do something that scares you. I mean, go go for the gusto. Every every project you take on will, will increase your ability. It'll increase your confidence. It'll increase your skills. You'll, you'll, you'll learn something that you didn't know. You'll make mistakes and don't be afraid to make mistakes Worst comes to worst, you take your project to the scrapyard and you get $5 back for your hard labor. Absolutely. Yeah. 
you and get you to have a bunch of pissed off, uh, pissed off purists and antique collectors and said, ah, I can't believe you destroyed that beautiful, you know, whatever. No, it's okay. Be. It happens. Yeah, it happened to you. You found it. It was meant for 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 you to to experience and to learn on. And you know what? Sometimes the stories of when you screw up, and you everyone does screw up. That's for sure. Those stay with you a lot longer than everything you think you know. Uh, until you don't know so absolutely screw up often there's a there's a phrase about it i can't remember but uh screw up early screw up often and uh you'll learn a lot and that's like dave said that's how you become a master for sure all right which i cannot claim to be not claiming to be a master just excited right (laughs) once again guys uh, we appreciate you listening don't forget to reach out to us at our instagram at the restoration podcast as well as our gmail the restoration podcast at gmail.com thank you for listening to the restoration podcast with james evan and dave where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today thanks everybody adios yeah, good night peace see you bye Well, so who's who's rolling first after? Uh, I can. Or James can. Doesn't matter. We'll just roll right into it. If there's a pause, there's a pause. I can edit out pauses and shorten them up. Yeah. I just can't. I just can't fix stupid. <laughs> well, then we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs>